between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Thank you for your mercy this evening, which we're going to find in your presence, Lord. Thank you for you will supply mercy to us and grace. Come and speak to us, our Lord. Come and quicken our hearts, Lord, to hear your voice, to hear your word tonight. Thank you. Come and speak how you desire and help us to receive your voice and your word. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God. Um, please just say good evening to somebody and welcome them to fellowship today. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Amen. Um, can we do a recap of Wednesday, is it possible? Praise God. The mic, amen. Who will help us? <coughs> I can't, okay. Praise God. Hello. So we're talking about the, the covenant of brotherhood and also we covered the covenant of marriage and how brotherhood stems from um, we're talking about stands from a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith on pain. Okay. Then we covered this and we said that it's basically what the covenant of brotherhood is. Then from the covenant of brotherhood, there's how you will grow to reach the covenant of marriage. Okay. Thank you so much. Let's, let's appreciate it. Thank you. Praise God. So that's the, that's the, the overall summary. Praise God. Um, okay, can someone else help us to to look at it? Let's say in more detail. Oh, Wesley. Okay, Rajan has called you, so please go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, you were you were you were showing um, how um, we can, with our souls, obviously, um, we can how we can start to relate with another light. Um, I think from from the previous messages where we've been looking at how there are two lights and how one, one light will make you see another light. But on Wednesday, um, you, were, you were showing us from John how there's that um, thing called brotherhood and how there are specific people. And when I mean people, I mean us. We'll get to a place where we journey 
and with our souls, we would have to wait for another light that is from within the veil um, to come and perfect our charity. Oh, let me say, let me not use the word perfect our charity, perfect our Christ. Um, so basically how that light is going to be the one, I think we're looking at John, and how that light is going to be the one to take us um, away from darkness um, into light. And that it's only, it's only from there we can begin to journey with the other light. And uh, we looked at, I don't know if I'm mixing all the messages up right now, but I know we looked at, um, we looked at um, the growth process and how I think we also related it to, um, I believe it was Isaiah, that there's some people that are going to, um, I think people with heaviness, I don't know if I'm mixing up the messages right Wednesday, now, I'm so sorry. Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, uh, okay, maybe, maybe we didn't look at that on Wednesday, but basically, just to, for what I can remember from Wednesday, okay. is, is I think we're looking at John, first John. Okay. Yeah, and how... Um, um, how you can, you, with, the, with the help of the Spirit and obviously with the help of God, you can be taken from darkness into light. And that is perfection of, um, of Christ in order for you to begin to relate with the light of God. Mm. Yeah, just a summary. I can't remember the scripture okay. that we use. Uh, maybe somebody helps me with it. I can join it from there. But... Okay, can we... Praise God. Okay. Um, Daniel. Thank you, sir. Um, okay, so what I remember from Saturday, I think we started from Revelation. So this is Saturday now? Yeah, Saturday. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> well, when is the... We're going between Saturday and Wednesday. Okay, okay. You can, it's okay. You can summarize Saturday's message. Oh, okay. Because so, that's where I can start it from. So, it was Wesley who took us back to Wednesday. To Wednesday. But it's good that he did that. Okay. Is that what I asked? Yeah. Eh. Okay, so it was my own... Uh, go ahead. Um, summarize Saturday's okay, message. Okay, so Saturday, very briefly, yes. what I can recall is that we started from Revelations. Okay. And then we're talking about... Um, the marriage, how we need to come and how the lamb also has to come. And so then we went to Isaiah 55 talking about the, that announcement of come, come and buy. And then you, you explained that that is how we need to journey to prepare ourselves to a point where we are really ready for the marriage. And then in summary, you also capped it up with the virgins, you know, those virgins were they prepare themselves, and you talked about how being a virgin is not is not the time you give your life to Christ. You know that's that's the preparation for marriage. And then you also talked about um, you also talked about that marriage is a school, like it's not a one day event. Like it's something that we need to keep coming and coming until the point where we we'll come to that point that the lamb will have to come and then carry us. And I think if I'm to tie it back to Wednesday, okay, it's. I think, you know, how we were talking about um, it's Malachi, right? Well, I don't know if it's Wednesday, but like, we're talking about Malachi, how there has to be a higher power that has to come and carry, like, excavate us, you know, that we can't do it on our own. There has to be a higher power that will come and, you know, help us into that higher realm and 
linking it back to what you're talking about on Saturday, you talked about um, that marriage is the process of how we are going to sit in the Lamb so that we can sit on the throne because the Lamb is already sitting in the throne. On our own, we cannot get to the throne. So it's by marriage that we will stick with the Lamb and then we will now sit on the throne. So if I'm to link it back to the light, like in light, we'll see light, you know. Okay. So I think it's just you saying that we need to get to a place where something else has to come and help us. You know, we need to acknowledge that, that point. So our own work is that we should prepare ourselves. If not, you know, maybe just like the 10 virgins. And this is just me now adding my own, like, summary. The other five foolish virgins. And, and if we don't get to that place where we are complete, when our own vessel, whatever is in our vessel is not complete, you know, we might get to that point when it's time for marriage, you know, we might be missing, you know. So I, let me don't go too far. Thank you, sir. Oh, praise God. Amen. Okay. Is there any or any other one? We, I think let's still, um, if we can do more, more summary. I think there are more thoughts from those messages. Okay. Go ahead. Um, just to flow from what Daniel was saying, um, I believe on mixing Saturday and Wednesday, in a sense. Um, you know, you made mention that at one point, like Daniel was saying, at one point along a soul's journey to God, they will have to get married to the lamb. And um, you made emphasis on the fact that, you know, a lamb is, is, you know, Jesus at rest in God. And, you know, fulfilling the curriculum of Christ or charity, um, getting to a point where it is like Peter would say, abounding or it's fervent, is what will call for, what call for Jesus or what would call for the high priest. Um, you know, like in Hebrews, um, I believe it says he's come and high, and high priest of good things to come. And looking at the blood of Jesus, um, in that blood there are two allocations. Um, so there's the blood of Christ and then there's the blood of God, essentially. And the blood of Christ is is... Um, you made reference that I believe it's in Malachi where you can make an offering, that first offering unto God in righteousness. Basically, that's when a soul has come to a place in the holy place where you can say darkness is past. And now that soul is a virgin soul, like Daniel was saying, that the lamb can marry. And you're emphasizing the fact that marriage is not a one-day instance, but it's a, it's a thing that occurs within the most holy so basically, as a soul is doing works in the most holy, they are marrying the lamb. And then moving beyond that, when they have finished the works, they now get caught up. That's the place where there's no more works again. Um, but you're emphasizing that, you know, there are the laws that, the laws in marriage or the laws that bind marriage are different from brotherhood. You are saying that uh, marriage is a pure messy operation. Because at least within the brotherhood, they, have, they share the same DNA or the same life that binds them together. There's a kind of agreement that they have. But when you look at marriage, you're trying to merge two souls or you're trying to merge two people that have two different... They are different people, basically. And it takes mercy to make that happen. But at the end of the day, that marriage is still a higher law that they are obeying compared to brother, the laws of brotherhood. And basically, just seeing how, you know... Um, Jesus, there's, there's a, I forget how, he's a minister of the, of the, um, 
sanctuary and the true tabernacle. So there's a role that he plays in the holiest place in bringing sons or bringing people into the most holy. So I think that if I can just summarize, you're just, you've been painting the whole picture of you know, how a soul will get to God. You know, fulfilling the commandments of Christ, getting to the end, which is charity, abiding in the light. And then when you get to, you know, I believe in Revelation 22, you were saying the spirit and the bride say come. So there's a coming that the bride has to do. And when the bride's cry or calling can match that the frequency of the spirit, that is what to then call for the high priest to come. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit has to raise a people to the point where Jesus can now see them and then bring them in. Or basically, you know, sorry, I think I've just been, but that's basically, if I can summarize that, uh, I think that's... Um, Amen. Okay. Does anyone have any other aspect to, to highlight? Amen. If I'm, in my heart, I feel like everyone should speak today. So, I'm not, I'm not in a hurry today. God has blessed me with, with grace not to be in a hurry. Praise the Lord. Um, okay. Amen. Who's going next? The message was two hours or something, right? So, there are things inside there. Okay, sir. Yes. So, I want to hear in your own words. I want to see how you are. Okay. Um, you, um, you spoke about mercy mm-hmm. and yes, what sir. mercy, that mercy is help, that how mercy comes, that God is merciful in the chronic realm, God runs on mercy. Okay. Then from mercy, you now brought it to grace. Then from grace, you now talk about gracious help, that okay. mercy is something that we should be instilling in ourselves and something that we should be practicing in our daily lives. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. And you also spoke about marriage. That marriage comes from agreements. Yes. That two souls has to come to one. And you now explained it in the war terms that, you know, psychologists, they'll go and be studying things that are impossible, that is from God. Okay. That you now spoke about marriage, that in marriage there has to be an agreement yeah. that two souls has to be one. So, Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Um... All right. Okay. Maybe I'll ask my own questions so that to help. Amen. Tyler is looking the other side, you know. <laughs> I just saw his face. Amen. Okay, Wesley. Okay. Um, I remember from Saturday, I think we read Revelations 22. Yes, sir. And um, there was a part. I, don't, I think I'm very enough for what everybody has said, mm. but it's just what I remembered. Um, a part where we were talking about that he that taketh away from this book. Okay. Um, um, please, can I just read it, sir? Okay. Yes, sir. Um, Revelations 22 from verse um, 18. It says, I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy, that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto the saints, God shall 
add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life yes. and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So um, you, were, you really broke this place down by the help of the Spirit and showing like how like the holy city is not different from the book because what like brings to the manifestation of the holy city is what is written in the book. And it was saying that place of either take it and God shall take, he said, if any man take away from the word of life, God shall take away. So when you were, the way you were saying it, like, like you were explaining also from the place of prophecy, like prophecy are those things like which should shortly come to pass. And you explain prophecy as the things that are already done and completed and finished in God. But those things are things that should come to pass in us. And that, that is how God sees us, like we've been completed. So if the way you take away is that you don't meet up with that complete statue and image that the Lord is seeing you as. And that was really profound because saying that um, taking away sometimes, like you are saying, taking away is not that you take away like some pages of the scriptures or anything, but it's that you just don't meet up to that statue that the Lord is seeing you as. And you also explained um, the place of um, that either added to this book that these plagues will be added and you also explain about how like that place of adding is that you have the capacity you have the ability to make a lie in terms of you are you have the um, to add you were talking about you have the you said that image the ability to raise an image is a god is only god that can make raise an image and that but the where the devil was from it was from a realm of god so he also had that image that is why he can make a lie so that there's a way like the world is going that is actually trying to raise men that can actually make a lie, which is adding to make, raising an image technique that is contrary to the image that God makes and has made and has completed. And I think from here we were seeing like, um, and like the place of, yeah, and like everyone is saying, like we started seeing the place of like marriage okay. and seeing the covenants of like how like um, marriage is an impossible thing in terms of when, it, it's, when it's an impossibility and it has to do with the operation of mercy. And um, yeah, I think. One of the things that I know that um, you spoke about on Wednesday that can that will be able to that you linked with Saturday was uh, Malachi, when you said um, um, you were explaining how um, that says I've sent my messenger. I said he shall prepare the way, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come into his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, who you delight in, he says um, he will come and purify the sons of Levi. So. He, you, you explained that place as um, there. You just using the. I think somebody mentioned something about the virgins, and how there is a period of waiting, um, in which there is um, there is a level of sanctification in Christ, 
um, you can get to a stage, but um, in order for you to cross or in order for you to attain that thing called um, love of the brethren or to be a brother, um, is that you need a higher force in which is that um, messenger of the covenant that would come. And one of the things you said is that um, you, you, were, you, you took us to Hebrews and you showed, um, I just opened it, it says, uh, um, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. Um, by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. And you explain that thing. It says he came into the holy place once. So you were relating that with Malachi, how um, it's, um, it's, it's not just Christ alone, but it's actually the Son, the Son of God that would come um, with, um, with the blood, blood of Christ. I think you were separating that there are two, in Jesus Christ, that there are two bloods. Or in Christ, there is water, and then there's blood. And then there's also the blood in terms of um, um, the everlasting, everlasting covenant. There is a, there's another blood for that. Um, but you, you, you basically went to 14 and said, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, um, purge your conscience from dead works? Uh, I think you were, you were relating that with sacrifice and offering and how... Um, we, a soul needs to go through um, a period of sacrifice and that is not in that stage for a soul. It's not, it's, um, it's not really what God wants. It's just to purify things in you. Um, things have to go in you. Um, so purging, there is a place of purging one's conscience from dead work. So I believe that's the work that the high priest, um, Brian mentioned something about him being the minister of the sanctuary. Um, I believe that that's, that's the stage where he helps souls, our souls. He purges our souls from dead works. I think you said a couple of things about the dead works, how they are hidden things that without that light coming in from the, with, um, from the most holy place, um, a soul won't be able to cross. And that there's a purging of dead works that has to be done for you to now begin to um, serve the living God. And um, you, you related that serving the living God is offering um, in righteousness, things that God would begin to delight in, things that God can actually use. And just relating that to um, Saturday, um, I believe that serving the living God is, um, ever, is an everlasting walk, which is also what everybody has said. It's the marriage, it's the process of um, marrying the lamb. The ultimate goal is um, sitting on the throne. And um, if you don't marry the lamb, you won't be able to sit on the throne because he, because he also said in Revelations, he said that, um, he says, as I overcame uh, and, and I'm set down on my father's throne, he says, he that overcometh. So that overcoming is the everlasting walk or is serving the living God. Um, he's just painting it in different ways, but essentially for you to get to the throne is that the way our Lord Jesus was on earth doing commandments of his father so he was getting married to his father when he was in his everlasting work and then he was caught up and he sat on the throne um if we want to be on that throne because he says he would sit with me on my father's throne is that we essentially have to also marry the lamb and that's what um, everybody has been explaining in that um i think your revelations chapter 19 that's where he says the bride has made herself ready um yeah so i was just i'm just relating um that there is the sacrifice um, sorry, there's sacrifice which we have to do and then there's offering which we have to do and how you need the high priestly light to really take you from that place of sacrifice, purging your conscience from dead works into offering in righteousness which is serving the living God. So yeah, that's just... That's just.
Amen. Okay. Um, okay, let me, I want to ask my own question. So, the question I have is, um, why, why is there need for the, um, why is there need for two commandments? Why do you need to have, why can't you just begin to learn maybe the marriage, coming to the marriage of the Lamb? or begin to learn everlasting works, or what's the reason for separating them? Uh, what's the, need, the reason for um, having that commandment or covenant of brotherhood? What's, why is there a difference between that before the, cov- the covenant of marriage? That's my question. Very simple question. Okay, let's, okay, go ahead, go ahead first. Yinka. <clears throat> yes, uh, I just um, remembered, I think, from Wednesday when you were talking mm. about, um, um, I think, Adam, and you said uh, from the beginning, like there was a prayer um, that you quoted, I said from the beginning it was not so. So as in, um, I believe um, the reason why there are two covenants is... Um, they are trying to bring us back to the beginning where because um, okay I'll just um, use um, like Abraham as an example because and also I think you also touched on Saturday where you were saying like where Abraham before the Lord could even tell him Abraham was already asking the Lord about like how um, like seeing that I go childless but the, and I said I want to be your shield and your exceeding great reward so it's as a result of there's a there's been like a downgrade to man where man where from where God created man okay. and that is like the beginning of where God created man where he came down and that was where you're talking about like in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That stepping down from God was stepping down from like eternal life to an everlasting realm. So the beginning where God came to meet man, so let us make my image, was from the height of an everlasting realm. But if the, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think like based on how you were, what I understood from what you explained in terms of taking us back to the beginning, is that that first covenant of Christ of brotherhood is the covenant that would bring us back to the beginning where we can now start learning the covenant of everlasting life, which was what we were ordained for from the beginning. Okay, so I mean, I think it's the same answer I was going to say. Is the, the answer is from the beginning, and I think you we've been reading like First John, First John one, where he said um, that which which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with with our eyes, 
which we've looked upon and our hands have handled um, of the word of life. And I think you spent a lot of time explaining what the word of life is and how you said it was, it was just a part. And, and then I think there was a place where you explained um, light of the world and the light of the life. And I'm sorry, light of... Um, sorry, my... Sorry? Yeah, light of the world, you know, the light of the world and the, and the light of life. And, okay. and so um, the answer is simple. It's from the beginning, right? They want to take us back to the beginning point where we will now go back to the original purpose before we journey the way. So true commandment, I think you also said something about, you know, those children of Israel, like we, when they bring us out of Egypt and we are in the wilderness, that's the process of, I think, I don't know if that was where, how we enter into like sacrificing and offering. That's the process of where we need to like, like get rid of things of nature so that we can, we can now become an offering. That it is us that we need to become the... I think you said something about like sacrifice, the differences between sacrifice and offering. But the answer, let me just stop with the bush. The answer is, you know, they want to take us back to that original intention of God creating man to conform to his image. And the way we can conform to his image is that we become, we embody all the image which is, which Christ became basically and that was the original intention before every all the all the downfall from Cain and the rest but um yeah that's the answer I was gonna say thank you okay okay let Imar go first then uh, yes sir for nothing serious thank I just you Daniel to add it, add to what, uh, yes sir so what Sainik and Daniel said you know from the beginning it was not so, you know, from Adam, that we've degenerated a lot, you know. But uh, one thing I see with the two commandments is the realm where man is, you know, one thing that John was talking about, we are in darkness. So one of the commandments is really like a preparation for us because it needs to take us out of that darkness where we are moved from you know, dead to life, you know, we have entered that, the true light, where the true light shines, because the true light shines on the, you know, on the main commandment or the everlasting commandment, but the realm where man is or where we are, it's, 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 it's a dark place, it's, a, it's out of the darkness, so we need to actually come out of there, so one of those commandments is actually to step down to where man is, to bring them to a point where they are, you know, they are separated out of darkness, where darkness has passed and the true light shines. So the true light is where the second commandment comes, which is the everlasting commandment. Thank you. Praise God. Um, okay, the more people want to answer. Yes, Mariam. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just to add to what my brethren have said um i think something that really just from the question um just talking about i remember when you're talking about just paul's ministry and you know talking about john so i guess that would be like um moving from darkness into like light um so there's a process that happens there um with how the allocation that was given to Apostle Paul, yes. you know, and then 
they're moving to the one that you know John spoke about. But what I really wanted to just talk about was um, what you said on Saturday that you referenced David. So I think the reason why it has to be maybe two commandments is just how we need to be like thoroughly furnished. Talking about just like vessels and like, you know, to get to that silver gold place. Um, There's something about how even, I think it's Isaiah 53, when I was talking about Jesus being like a tender roots, you know, like, so it's like, um, he can easily be tampered with or just easily be removed or something like that. So we have to come to that place. And in order to get there, that's where, you know, like the ministry of Apostle Paul, like when we are joining in that realm, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of things that have to be taken away from us. So it's like the realm of sacrifice before we get to that offering in the higher dimension. So there's a lot of things that have to be removed from us. Talking about how David, even his father could not remember him. And they had to be asking him, do you have anybody else, anybody else? He not remember. So we have to get to that point where we're like virgins, so we're helpless. It's basically talking about the realm of um, how you said on Saturday that just grace you know, is help to do the possible, or like talking about the Christ realm is the realm of possibility. But then when you talk about the realm of God, it's the realm of impossibility. So I think that's kind of what I have to say. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, uh, I'll just attempt to answer the question. So for uh, everlasting um, commandments, mm. um, I'll say those commandments, I think it, I think it has to do, it, it's important for us to have the commandments of loving one another, the commandments that actually unifies mm. or, you know, binds the brotherhood yes. first because the everlasting commandment has a greater strength and it places a greater demand on us and you know like what Miriam said about the removal of things mm. you know there has to be like you know like John said in first John how can you um, say you love the father if you have not loved your brother, mm-hmm. you know, there has to be a separation or a a purging, a removal of things, things that can break agreements because you're actually trying to, you're trying to bring us into agreements with something, agreements with a pattern or with a covenant. It's Sorry, agreements with a life. Now, the life in the brotherhood is more like the life of Christ, mm. You know that they are that is re- that we are supposed to relate with, you know, and then the life in the everlasting realm, as with the life of the Son of God or the life of God, or the life of the Father, and these two, you know, kinds of lives, they are the different strength, or or, should I, or rather the agreement or the covenant that actually operates in those in those realms differ in their strength and also in their their you know, the strength of, you were describing, you know, the love in God Mm. on Saturday, for example, 
that love in God is like death, you know, as opposed to the love in charity. You can't compare. There are, there are two different, you know, demands or two different expressions, you know. One is so high, and they have to, like, give us some sort of reason first, or they have to equip us or strengthen us in a way through the first commandment. Mm. First of all, how you relate with one another, you know, as it is, it is um, inscripted in the blood of Christ, you know, and then you'd come into the blood of the everlasting covenant where things also would have to come out mm -hmm. and, and um, you have to make cut covenant with that life. So I think it has to do with the life commanding you in those yeah. different instances. Um, I don't have much to add. Um, I'll just follow my my fellows. So um, it's more of so just continue from the realm of possibilities and impossibilities. Um, I was just saying that really from the beginning, the main fellowship is with the Father and the Son, and that was actually where Adam was placed from the beginning. It was actually to journey in the everlasting realm to eternal. But because of the um because of what happened, another Adam was raised, you know, to begin that life again. So it was it's more of Christ was raised to go back to the beginning and to show us the path. So um because of man's degree because of man degrading, um help had to come you know, from Christ to bring man back to that place of the beginning to journey. That's why there, there were two um, commandments set. So it's Christ and God, and Christ is the one that can relate with man to bring man to God, really, because the fellowship is actually with the Father and the Son. So there had to be, the, there had to be Christ coming, and then which is really the sanctuary, place of, um, you know, purging, just taking out unclean things, um, separation and things like that, for to get man ready for the actual fellowship, which is really everlasting realm and, you know, the realm of God. So it's just taking man, because man is really in the realm of possibilities. So... It's really to take man from that realm of possibilities to impossibilities, which is really the realm of God. So that was what I wanted to add. Thank you, sir. Amen, amen. Um, okay, can we, um, I want us to describe the, in terms of now, Tango, you guys answered in terms of scripturally everything. Thank you very much. Um, awesome. Um, can we describe, I want to describe those two um, covenants, those two lives, or what you call them. Can you describe them in, um, 
Maybe you can maybe use the lens of your own eyes. Uh-huh. So what does it mean to you when you say brotherhood, charity, you know, all of those things? Um, what does it mean? What does it mean? Uh-huh. Just beyond the scripture of it, and then what is the difference between the commandment that's coming from the, the, the life of Christ, right? Or, and then the commandment of brotherhood. Or what's the difference between the commandment of brotherhood and then the sort of commandment or instructions of that of everlasting life or marriage to the Lamb? What's the, what are the difference? Can we speak about it now in just, in, um, speak about it in your own language, okay? Praise God. Um, I guess um, the way that I am understanding it, I guess, is the commandments of Christ. Because as you were, okay, Calm down. okay. So the way that, as everyone was talking, I was just seeing how um, before. And now seeing how, okay, from Christ, like everyone said, is is the removal of all the things that causes that how we separated from God. So there was a beginning realm, then we went down to. So in that realm, they're now bringing us, okay, like Sean was saying, they're giving us not little, but not little, like commandments. Like okay, bring it back. Like okay, maybe to go from either is loving your sister Jane, or if. I think I was remembering another message that I listened to about how when it comes to, like you, like you were saying, how she relates to how I'm understanding it, is it's giving, okay, maybe it's to prefer Jane. when some, if, if Jane does something, prefer her, because those ones are the realms of, that you can do as of now, because if they give you the everlasting realm where you are at, you run away. So they have to, if it's from, okay, preferring your brother, preferring your sister, loving your sister more. And when it comes to, I'll just give, okay, I'll just give an example. <laughs> like, um, like today, something happened. I was doing something for my mom. And as I was doing the thing, then I just heard that the one that I prepared for myself that I felt was good for me, I should give it to my mom and take the one that's, Okay, I don't think it's that good. Let me just take it. At first, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think, I think it's just my head. And eventually, I shall dropped it, and I took it. And I, I said I was going. Honestly, the person's voice I was hearing in my head was Abby's voice. <laughs> Sorry. That if, what, if what is going to separate me from the Lord is it this thing. So leave it and move on. So that thing was, it's, it seemed like it was impossible, but it's possible because I can see it and I take it. But there is a realm where, and I was seeing how if they don't take you back to the beginning, when, even when it comes to the marriage, the everlasting marriage, there are commandments that will come there that require your life, that you cannot do it if you have not been exercised in the doing of the small, small, not small, but the other things that will bring you back to the beginning. Because if you... If you don't know how to do that, you will not be able to relate. 
with that other life and when that other life I was just, and I was also thinking about like when we think about mommy Helen and she's talking about you know the commandments of like marriage like for you to do those commandments is not someone that is alive cannot do that commandment is a place of like she was saying a place of helplessness where and if you don't get to that point of helplessness you can't be giving a strength I don't, care, I don't know you can't be giving um you can't be brought into that realm, if, if so to speak. Yeah. So even if it's saying, okay, I'm loving my sister more, preferring my sister more, I'm going from there to there, then you get to a point where you now have to be joined with the Lord. And another scripture, I don't know if this is right, sorry guys. If when I was thinking about the Ephesians, my way says, and a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and two shall become one flesh. And this is a mystery. I guess Paul was saying this is a mystery. For, a, for you to become one, because if two people are trying to become one and both of you are not sick and two work together, let's agree. If you're not able to join together, you will divorce. You will, like, just in the natural, when you say, like you're saying on Saturday, irreconcilable differences, it's not jamming. It's, you just leave and say, this is not working. I'm headed. Let me find somebody else that is easier with, because you are trying to mesh two things together to go somewhere, but you have to get to the point where you go from the where you have come from, take you back by obeying commandment, get to the top, and now in my brain, the way I looked at it was you go from down here, get here, they now go this way because you are going towards God. Okay, that's that's all for me. So I'm just there's something there's something that she said that just came that struck something in me about oneness and um, uh, essentially the reason I'm created or for me if I'm just relating it to me without um, just for my own like my own life or my soul or anything is um, is that thing she said about being one with God and um, being one with God is a uh, First of all, it's, it's far from me, which is always scriptures. Scriptures will help, and through teachings, we can understand um, that, obviously, for example, Jesus will say that um, he can of himself do nothing, that whatever he sees his father do, I do. Or he'll say things like, ah, my father, we are one. Um, so you can just tell that that man, Jesus, um, wouldn't, wouldn't do, or there's nothing that he would do that um, would be contrary to what God would do in terms of judgment or in terms of decision making or in terms of all these things um and that's why that's why we are created is um is to actually be one and that oneness to me comes of comes up as alignment in terms of thought pattern in terms of thinking pattern but as Ephesians will put it is that we are aliens from the life of god meaning we are like like Isaiah will put it, his ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. They are different. It's very, very far. So what the first commandment brings to us mm. is to, um, is that same, same efficient to say, but you have not so learned Christ. Mm-hmm. And he says that, that Christ, he says Christ um, is after God. So Christ is basically only the man that can now begin to learn 
the life that is in God. So how does that relate to me? Is that what, what charity, which is um, maybe the first commandment brings to a soul, is that um, as charity, as to put it in first, um, in first Corinthians chapter 13, it says it vaunted not, it says it's not puffed up. So just um, daily living with your brother is that they want to teach you how to be basically malleable, how to have a, as you can say, heart of flesh, um, because God is a demand. And um, the God that we cannot see, the person that has, has the embodiment of God is our Lord Jesus Christ, who was also a man who came to show us that it's possible to actually be like God. So for my own journey is that I have to be, I have to come into that place of having charity, which is having the life that is in Christ. Meaning, you see, it's things like thinketh, so how it comes to me, charity thinketh no evil, so what about God? So basically, the demand or the life that is in God is, is far, it's too far for man, it's too far for somebody like me to think about. Through scriptures, I can see things here and there and here, they say, if you slap me, I should turn my you know, things like that, or if they take my shirt, I should give them my pants. You know, there are commandments from the beginning, uh, uh, it's everlasting commandments, meaning there are things that unending. So meaning if you have to love, you have to love, 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 and love till you love, like just keep loving, you have no other choice than, is, is to, because like I said, God is a demand, but what charity comes to do, or what charity does for me, amongst my brothers, somebody I can see, somebody I can relate to it, is that it helps me, scripturally, it will be spiritual, meaning you are, you've learned how to follow the spirit. You're not, you're not, you're not hard, you're malleable, your heart is soft now, um, because it's that same charity that will now say, okay, now, that charity is the one that can bear all things. That beareth all things means you can now start to bear the commandments of God or bear the, the way God is, is only a charity man that can begin to bear it. He believeth all things. He hopeth all things. So what that first commandment does for you is that he, he brings you to a state where you can now start desiring that life that is in God. Because even without being a charity man, you cannot really, you cannot really do, you can't see, you can't do, you can't come into the life that is in God. So those two commandments, they help you I don't know if I read it to myself, but mm. what it helps you to do is that it helps you, first of all, be perfect with the people you can see. Mm. It's brotherly love to be perfect with your brother because when God comes, he has a higher demand mm. for you. So, yeah, if you cannot love the brother that you can see, you def def definitely cannot love the God yes. that you cannot see. So, yeah. Amen. Praise God. Um, okay. Um, um, okay, question. So if, so there's a way you're resolving charity, love of the brethren. Um, so when you are obeying the commandment of everlasting life, are your brethren not involved? Or how, um, so like that brethren, is it your brethren who, like I mean, you're in fellowship together, who live together, um, what is, what does that thing mean? Right. And, and, and why is he emphasized? Is he, why is he emphasizing Christ? Um, in everlasting life, who will you be loving? Like, what? Will, do you understand my question? Is it, I don't know if, it's a, if it makes sense to you, anybody. Uh -huh. Okay, Rajon has already handled the mic. It's like he's anointed to answer this question. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> okay. Um, yes, I will sir. try. Yes, sir. Not very good at answering questions sometimes, but um, I just want to read something quickly, okay, sir. and that is Mark twelve thirty, or from twenty nine, twenty nine to thirty one. It says, and okay, let's start from 28. And one of the scribes came and, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. You, at a point in time, you had made reference to the fact why Jesus used neighbor. Because there was no, um, the conversation of brotherhood had not come into play at this time. So we could as well say, love your brother as yourself yes. when you come into the brotherhood um, dispensation. Now, um, to answer your question about what happens to your brother even during the ever time of the everlasting command commandment, and that's why I read this, because the commandment is two tablets. So it doesn't discount the fact that your brothers are still there. Yeah because you are in the light or you are walking in everlasting light. In fact, it magnifies the expression of that love to a greater degree because Jesus Christ in his three and a half years, as we have been taught that he was doing his everlasting works, there was an outward manifestation of the works that were within him. And that outward manifestation had to do with people all around him, his disciples, and things like that. Um, to piggyback off the question you asked before, the world is designed to create things within us yeah. to make you want to have an edge over your brother, make you bask in pride, to make you wear garments to protect yourself, to give you what I call it, advantage yes. over every other person. That is what is being taught. Even in schools, if you go to business school, that's what they'll teach you for two and a half years or whatever. And so the teaching is already against your brother. Yeah. And so hence the reason why we have to come to unlearn and they say prefer your brother to yourself. Yeah. Or like you say in marriage, prefer your wife or prefer your husband or... <laughs> love your wife or submit to your husband or submit to one another. So many commandments just trying to get you to that place where you can start to see your brother in a different light, start to interact with your brother in a different light, start to, as the commandment said, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So you, you are no longer looking for an edge or an advantage. That's with regards to the light you get in Christ. And so, as Wesley said, it is not puffed up, maybe because you have more revelation or maybe because 
you have more gifts of the Spirit. It goes that far. It's not just people in the world or because we might think that it doesn't permeate into even spiritual things. So when the everlasting commandments come, I'll use marriage as an instance, and our parents in the Lord and pastors in Nigeria have they dwelt on this a lot last year, saying, don't expect that the commandment that will come to you will be one strange thing that, you know, pull clouds from the sky down uh, or whatever the case may be. It will still be in relation to that same brother. It will be, you have done this with the light that you have. And as you had described, you know, you were, you were in darkness or as, I don't know, I think it was Corinthians that you were darkness. So, but you have, the light is removing, the first interaction with the light is removing those darknesses from you or bringing you from that your dark state into light. However, when the true light comes, it's still going to be in interactions with your same brethren. However, at a higher degree, from a higher judgment, from a higher place of love, as God is love. So let me use marriage, for instance. Let's say you were, you know, preparing, preferring your wife or your husband in, as it seems, in everything because of the light that you have, the priestly eyes or the priestly light that you have. So there are certain things you cannot see. And there are certain things the wife too or the husband too cannot see. And it is believed that this is good enough. However, the world is not stopping. The world is still throwing up things that will make you still feel or make you still want to have an edge or an advantage or you can call it anything, different names for it. So that pure light or true light that comes, that everlasting light that comes, is to shine more in those dark places that the priestly eyes cannot see. And so it still has to do with that same wife or that same husband. Then they are now told that, okay, you used to do this before. You tried. But there is something more you need to do. You need to relate with this person from a different understanding, a different degree of judgment. And so your brethren are not kicked out of the equation because you have moved into everlasting light. You have not become maybe Moses and your face is shining and nobody can relate with you and you have to wear a veil or something. However, your, your love work increases because it's always faith and love. So your love work increases in such a way that you are now using the judgment of everlasting light to relate with your brethren and manifest those as you are agreeing to those commandments, as you are carrying out those commandments, as those works and that nature and that life is being constructed in you, it is being manifested by your interactions with your brethren. Let me stop there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Does anybody have a question um, from these messages or anything that was said? Okay. Rajon, you have one. Praise God. If you, if you have one, just this is the time to ask now. Um, praise God. Okay. My <clears throat> question is, you spoke about, I think, a little bit about it on Wednesday, yes. but from another scripture. 
about reproving the spirits, reproving the world. I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly the scripture you read, but my question is actually John 16. I would, it still has to do with the reproving and so from verse 7 to 11, which says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Mm-hmm. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Mm-hmm. Of judgment, because the print of this world is judged. I just wanted you to just elaborate a little bit on, I think my major struggle is actually of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. But I just wanted to have a better context of, I know you touched it on Wednesday, but you didn't want to go deep into it because of where the message was going. But I would just like you to... I touched this on Wednesday. Yes. This one last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. <laughs> you used another scripture that spoke about reproving okay. the world, but not John 16. Okay. But it's, I was already on John 16 before yes. you said it. Okay. So, so, you I, connected it. so I connected it, exactly. Praise God. Is there another question from someone else? Okay. No questions. Wesley has one. Okay, let's hear Wesley's one. So, uh, First Timothy. Yeah. Um, my question is about fighting the good fight of faith mm. and laying hold on eternal life. Mm. Now, this is just my question um, because it almost seems like uh, so when I read when I read the book of Timothy, it's my little understanding. Sometimes I'm like, okay, is I believe Timothy had, Paul was saying things like, whereunto thou hast attained. Mm. You know, so my question is, is, when he says fight the good fight of faith, is he saying, is that Christ? Okay, I'm just going to ask it plainly. Is that Christ fight? Mm-hmm. And then when he says lay hold on eternal life, which is obviously you have to do everlasting work before you lay hold. Or, um, because before that scripture, he said, follow after charity, patience, this, 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 and that. Mm-hmm. Then is fight the good fight of faith, everlasting work, and then lay hold on it. I'm just asking because um, when, you were, when you were teaching that scripture, um, when you were using two lights, mm-hmm. I said one light is for the other one. But I've been, I've been trying to place... Um, when he says fight the good fight of faith, so I'm saying, is it a Christ walk or is it an everlasting walk? Because Paul will also say in Second Timothy chapter two, he says, I have, I have fought the good fight, I've finished my course. There's therefore laid up for me a crown. Um, so I just want to, just I like to demarcate and place things. I don't know. I know it's not that good, but if you can help me, sometimes it's just a single. Is it? That, oh, yeah, that's the that's the question. That, that good fight of faith is the faith of Christ. That's the good fight of faith. Yes. Mm. 
Yes, thank you. Um, my question is um, concerning brotherhood and marriage again. So, um, I, I don't know, maybe this site is very low, but um, I just want you to explain more on how marriage is actually a higher commandment than brotherhood because like looking at it, I don't know, maybe it's my brain. Just um there are so many things that can be seen in different people. For instance, now like so many life, I don't know, attitudes really from different people and there are dealings with each person, right? But in terms of brotherhood, I the way I see it is more of okay while trying to, you know, there's a peace that should be there with each person, right? And now I, I see it as many people, there are many people involved, but marriage is only one person. So is it that is it that one person is carrying like something that I don't know like, that one person is carrying one whole body that we have to endure. Or like, to me, I just want more insights on, you know, that aspect. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Inka, you have your own. Um, so, so um, my question is based on, um, I think, some t previous teachings where you were really emphasizing on how we should really pay more attention and emphasis on the lights that we're hearing now, that even if we don't understand, we should still give heed to it. And I remember you were saying like, when like, I think you used an example of like, you went somewhere and they wanted you to come and minister, but that they couldn't understand whatever you were going to say because there's a light that should have, that they are supposed to have fellowship and come into mm. before you then come into this other life. But I'm just in a place of like, is it, I understand, I think somewhere within me, I understand the place of where keep waiting. Mm. But I think my struggle is the place of, I've not come fully into the first light. Okay. And this other light is coming. How? Do I then, because and I also kind of understand like how we've been seeing, also I think the second question is, we know that there's a place where we say that, yes, journey to Christ, but it's not enough to stay there, mm. that you need to journey. Why is it not enough to stay there? Mm. And secondly is the place of, okay, I've not even gotten there, and then this is coming, how do I guard myself up to like, yes. Thank you. Praise God. Okay. Is there any other one? Um, all right. No more questions. Okay. Uh, let's just look at this John 16 first. I think we've answered Wesley's question. It's just a simple yes, question. Okay. Um, this John 16. Uh, so we said. Uh, um, what verse do you read from? Verse, verse 7. It said, Nevertheless, I, I tell you the truth that it is expedient for you that I go away. For 
if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. And then of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And verse 11, of judgment, because the, world, the, the prince of this world is judged. Amen. Amen. So I guess your question is, what is your question now? Why? On the difference between between okay sin then then righteousness of judge then of judgment amen. Um, so sin um, is the um, the way Paul put it. He said it's a sin. He said whatever is not of faith is sin. Right. So really spiritually, when you're defining sin, sin is a contrary response to faith or is a contrary response to believing uh, right is a so contrary to anything that is not of faith that is not springing out of that is not springing out of faith which is what you call believing aha that that thing is sin so all he's just saying here is that um, it, will, it will begin to reprove um, men of, or the world of attitude that is not of faith, which is why he said of sin, because they believe, because they believe not on me. So contrary attitude to, to believing uh-huh, is what he calls sin. Then the next one, he said, of righteousness because I go to my father and you what? And then you see me no more. Of righteousness because I go to my father and because and you see me no more. So that uh, reproving the world of righteousness is, is talking about the, uh, when it comes to the the attitude of righteousness. Um, there's an attitude of righteousness that the soul need to have, which is based on, Paul spoke about that in the book of Romans chapter, chapter 10, where he was saying that I have my heart desire to God for Israel that they might be, what? Say, well, I bear them record, they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge, right? See, for they being ignorant of, of God's word, righteousness, that they go about trying to establish a righteousness of their own. Right? So, it's talking about ignorance of God's righteousness, and then they're going to, um, to do what? To uh, establish a righteousness of their own. So, Jesus was speaking here that when I, I go to my father, and then 
and you see me no more. That without sight, when there is no longer sight, in that season, when there is no longer physical sight, when he has gone to his father, um, that is just going away physically is the point of activation of the season of what Paul called righteousness that is of faith. Do you get what I'm saying? The righteousness of faith. Nobody can have righteousness of faith while Jesus is present, right? Or while he's there, he's there physically, right? And that's the, the problem with the Jews. The problem with the Jews is that the Jew secret is signed. They are too sight-oriented. So because of when Jesus was present, there was no righteousness of faith. But righteousness of faith was something that the Lord used Paul to bring into the conversation. Why? Because he made sure that Jesus appeared to Paul as, um, through his spiritual vision, and then he began to appear to him and began to teach him righteousness that comes by faith. Are you seeing? Mm-hmm. So these three things, well, it's, it's faith, righteousness, judgment, they are the different, um, they, are the, they are the summary of God's expectation. From, from men or from the earth. They are the levels of God's expectation. Faith, righteousness, and then what? And then judgment. They are height. Each of them are different height. They are different levels of righteousness. Uh-huh. So that one you call just faith is talking about the kind of sin that a person can commit when they have not yet entered the season of revelation. Right, so that way you only judge the soul based on their faith response, just pure faith response, right? Which is faith without season of revelation or without the way of seeing God in a revelational manner, right? So in that season, God cannot come and reprove a person of righteousness who has never seen righteousness or who hasn't gotten as in climb into the season where seen by, by revelation has become a demand from heaven upon the soul. You get what I mean? So that word reproof means, reproof doesn't mean condemnation. Reproof here doesn't mean, you know, you say, ah, you failed, that's it, go away, you're useless. That's not reproof. Reproof means actual correction, right? Amen. Reproof means correction. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So... When he's saying, actually, the purpose of reproving is to bring comfort. They're talking about the ministry of the Spirit, right? So who will do the reproving is the Holy Spirit. They're talking about the ministry of the Spirit. So it's very clear. The Holy Spirit is coming to help. That's his role as a help. So, but when he's coming, there are different levels that of men. He, 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 he sees men and put them in different category based on their own season. And then their own season of what is the expectation that heaven is having from them based on the season that their journey has brought them into. You get what I mean? So for a lot of souls, for example, a soul who is in the milk of the world, the Holy Ghost can't reprove a soul, a baby Christian, of righteousness or judgment. 
That's not, it doesn't even expect you to have it at that level, but there's something it can reprove you of. It can reprove your faith. If you are a Christian at any level and there is no faith, Holy Ghost has a problem with you. You get what I'm saying? And you are doing things outside of faith. Whether it's faith to claim and to confess and to bind and cast, anyone, just be walking by faith as a Christian. You get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So that's the first level of the soul. Then after faith, a soul should graduate from faith into righteousness by faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or what they call the righteousness which is of faith, according to Romans chapter 10. He said, but the righteousness of, that is of faith speaketh in this wise. And I began to talk about, so you are seeing building blocks. So there's righteousness of faith. It means righteousness that is based on faith. That's the next season, right? Which is the season when the person no longer judged with the sight seeing of their eyes, according to Isaiah chapter 11, on the hearing of their ears, but with righteousness will he what? Uh-huh. Will he judge? Are you seeing that? That's Isaiah chapter 11. So, and that's when he's speaking about the Spirit of the Lord, right? Which is the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit. So, that Isaiah chapter 11 is speaking about this reproving of the Holy Spirit when he's beginning to reprove men of righteousness. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because they are in a season where they should begin to see with the seven, um, with the seven lights or with the light of the menorah, right? Do you understand what I mean? Uh-huh. So that's the proof of faith. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit. Anybody who is a Christian that doesn't have faith, they are walking outside faith, it, will be, it, will be, it should be convicting you that, no, you need to act in faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then after a while, when they graduate the soul into the school of Christ, which is a season of revelation, the Holy Ghost can now begin to reprove. So when he's fighting, finding fault with the soul at that level, the soul, that fault is based on error in righteousness. The, what will be the fault? Right? Holy Ghost will say, this righteousness you did is not of faith. That's the problem I have. You are doing righteousness, but very few are of faith. There are many you are doing that are not of faith. It means it's, if it's not of faith, it means that it is not, you are not using... The reason why you were reproved of faith in the meek level, so you can receive the legacy of faith with which you pull down revelation by which you, you can interpret a new kind of righteousness. You see that. Uh-huh. So when the soul has excelled in righteousness, then it's now moving up. There's also another level of called judgment, which is the judgment is a level of God. Judgment actually is a property of, is a divine um, attitude. So judgment is um, talking about the, the, higher, the highest state of righteousness. Or judgment is what the building of righteousness is meant to produce in a soul. So a soul should have faith, then graduate to a point where they have righteousness that is of faith, then grow to a point where they can judge righteous judgment. Uh, are you seeing that? Those are the levels of... So you see the last one here of, of judgment because then the prince of this world is what? Is judged. So that what prince of this world is... or is The judgment of the prince of this world is saying 
this judgment, anybody who has righteousness but hasn't arrived to judgment has not, has not gotten the, the ability to put the prince of this world in his place. Right, because that prince of this world is a god, too. And gods are beings of judgment. And a soul that hasn't grown into what you call judgment, what you call righteous judgment. It's not right, righteousness is not the same thing as righteous judgment. Do you get what I mean? Somebody can have a lot of righteousness, revelation of righteousness in their soul, but when you bring them into a certain kind of situation, they cannot produce judgment for that situation because all their righteousness is not complete. Judgment is the building which, which you, are, you accumulate righteousness for. Like God, they call God, God the judge of all. Right, why is he the judge of all? Because of he has all righteousnesses and he can, there's a completeness of righteousness in him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So I don't know if I explained that. Yes. Yeah. So what, all they're just telling you here is just the ministry of the Spirit. That's all. They're just explaining the ministry from when the, 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 you, 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 are, you come as a baby, when they give it to you as a baby Christian, the fullness of the ministry of the Spirit. Why the Holy Ghost is coming. That's what Jesus is saying here, is to execute these three levels of ministry in the, in the soul. Does that make sense, sir? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Are we blessed? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So let's now come to uh, let's come to Benji's question. Thank you, Jesus. Can we take? I want to take Benji's question last. I want to take Yinka's question first. You can still ask questions if you feel strongly about it. Um, but um, let's let's take Yinka's question. So Yinka, your question was more was more about um, these seasons, the season we just described. Yeah, the season where they are, they are imparting faith to a soul. Then there will be a season where they will impart righteousness to a soul. Then they will now, there will now be a season of judgment. Right? Uh-huh. So that season of, and that, and that word for the season of judgment is a season of reigning. Right, that's the season of rain. That's the ultimate season that God wants to bring a, a soul into. Right. Uh-huh. So you're saying that um, if, let's say in Christ, the, Christ, the Lord has walked on the soul in Christ and to a level, or a soul is growing in Christ, and then, but the season in terms of the word of God is shifting and um, maybe light begins to come from the realm of everlasting life, right? And then so you are saying that what should be the soul's response to that? So the question is that why do you have to maybe finish one before the other one? Okay. You need that light to be able to see that. Because you need the first light to be able to see the other light. Okay, so so is your question whether do you need to like the full completion of the first one before 
before the other one. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. Um, now, so when you are when you're talking about um, light, light of the soul, um, um, let me put it this way. Praise God. Every 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 light of every light of God is every light of God thank you Jesus If this light goes off from this room, all the lights goes off is pure darkness, right? And then we light a candle. Light a candle. And then you, the candle is able to illuminate something. Let's say it can illuminate something. We put it here, you can see you can see a little. Right. When I read I can see I can squint my eyes. And I can squint my eyes and I'll be able to see a little. But when the but there are some things I will not be able to see. I might not be able to see because of the strength of that light. Because that light is just a little light. What the Bible calls like a light that shines in a dark place. Right? So it's a, it's a little light. That light has things that it's able to illuminate right at its level. Now, but there is a, there is a way that if I turn on this light fully, once this light is on, what I'm able to see with that little light, the thing will not change. I will see the same thing, but with a brighter light, with more clarity. Mm -hmm. So there are some things that I won't see at all without that light, if the light is so small. Then there are some things that I will see, but I won't see very well. But there are also some things that I can see very well. And when you increase the bigger light, I, can, I will continue to see them. You get what I'm trying to say? So the first point I'm making is that the light of God, when the light of God is shining, it has other lights. It has the, the strength of other lights inside of itself. You get what I'm saying? Like So... Um, so in a season when this God's light is beginning to shine, the revelation of God's light is beginning to shine, you'll find out that a soul can also pick the light of Christ. There is no way any soul can hear a message of God's light. And in that message, there will be complete darkness concerning the instructions of Christ's life. 
the understand that it's not possible is that the um, when Jesus was speaking about righteousness, he was telling them, he said, look, Pharisees have a righteousness. But he said, except you exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, that you will not enter the kingdom. What does that mean? He's telling them that it's not that, that your own righteousness, Jesus he said it in another way, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but rather I came to fulfill it. What it means is that the the light I'm bringing is that in doing, it's a higher light, but in doing it, you find in it the law is being fulfilled. Because the law is lower. What I'm doing is higher. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, yes. So when God is shining, um, Paul, Paul put it, he said that, now we see dimly. But what? Then what? Uh huh. Now I see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now we know in part. Then when that which is part is come, then that which is in part will be done. Uh, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. So now see as in a glass, darkly, but then you see face to face. So that's talking about different strength of seeing. It's not that what Christ's what Christ light was saying was true only, but then when you come to everlasting life, you will not say, ah, that thing Christ was saying is not actually true. It was actually a lie, but you know, this is the truth. No, it's not like that. It's that you say that thing you learned in Christ is actually true, but there are more higher standard of it. Like when you are in, when you are in in, in elementary school, or what's the first school, they teach you one plus one is equal to two. Mm-hmm. And when you are in university, you start doing algebra. One plus one doesn't become five because you are now in a university. You know, it's now more complicated, so now one plus one is not equal to two anymore. It has to be equal to, no, no, it's still. But inside our algebra, you are, you are doing algebra, calculating rate of change, differentiation, integration. There will be a time in algebra you have to do one plus one. You have to do simple arithmetic. No matter how, complex your mathematics is, you will still be doing basic arithmetic inside that complex matter. It's, it's, it's blocks, using different things, gathering them, that, but then there will now be higher laws that a greater light will now begin to, are you getting what I'm trying to say? That a greater light will now begin to unveil. You see that? So when someone is solving on the board, someone is solving differentiation, you're doing your dy, dx, you're doing your calculation, right? A mind who is at university level will be looking at that kind of, wow, algebra, and they can solve it. They're understanding what you are, you are solving. But there will be a point in that algebra calculation that what the next step is an arithmetic, an addition. At that point, you can take a pause and then bring a, an elementary school child and say, okay, what's the answer for this next step? Ah, is it not five plus three? Say it's eight. You will do that. He has done his own part. Are you getting what I'm saying? The same way when everlasting life is being taught, when the light of everlasting life is being taught, it's not just something, it can never be void of the commandment of faith life and righteousness life. It can never be void of those things that 
there will be a point where soul who is under that kind of ministry. And that's why if it's void entirely of those things and it's just talking about something as they forget about it, run away from that kind of thing. Are you get what I'm saying? So where simple, you know, when maybe someone is just preaching one mighty revelation that there's no space to talk about just faith attitude or just talk about sanctification and just, you know, all of those things, then that, there's a problem there. It's not, it's not really the, uh, um, it's not really the true light. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So in just in terms of the delivery of the word, the ministry of the word, you'll find out that somebody, somebody who is at a level of Christ, for example, might not understand everything about everlasting life, right? But there will be an aspect of what's being ministered that they can, uh-huh, that they can use. You, you get what I'm saying? So when you are thinking about educating the soul, it's a very, very, um, it's not just, uh, that aspect of finishing, when you say you have to finish one, because the other one is built upon the first one. That concept is not saying that if you don't finish this first one, then there's nothing, you cannot listen to the word of, uh, of what there are many reasons why you should participate in the ministry of everlasting life. Because when the season of everlasting life, the ultimate goal is to, for you to make agreement with that life, which is that come to terms with the revelation, the inward revelation of the life, and come to inherit the nature of the life. But that is the final end of it. But beyond that aspect, there are many things to deliver that end. There's a lot in the process that, can, that are involved. For example, there is the illumination of scriptures. Right, somebody who is who doesn't who has it hasn't finished the formation of Christ in their soul can still understand the scriptures of everlasting life. Even though the scripture of everlasting life is not the light of everlasting life. Mm. You know, when I, we talk about the light, right? What the light is. We're talking about the light is talking about the um, that light is talking about what you can see is the, the light of the life. Like Jesus was talking about the light. With you, is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So when you're talking about seeing light through a light, we're not talking scripture. Even though there's a, a, a way you can relate it with scripture, but that's not primarily what that seeing light in light is about. That, thing, that sense of prerequisite of seeing one light and another light. He's talking about the light of life, right? Which is, which is not gotten on a scriptural level, which is gotten from discipleship or followership. So I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me will have the light of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when it comes to the light of the life, and to really see, begin to see the life, everlasting life, to be honest with you, Christ, there has to be a high formation of the life of Christ. Uh-huh. There will be a point where if a soul has no formation of Christ's life at all, you will not, the soul will not see anything about everlasting life. 
They might understand the scripture you are saying when you are teaching it. But when it comes to the seeing the life inside of them, they will not be able to see. You just can't. A soul that hasn't, doesn't have the life of Christ can't see that life. But when the soul begins to journey in Christ and journey in Christ and then move far in Christ, move, now begin to move into the charity land of Christ, it's in that realm of the land of Christ that's where there's there now begin to be some ab- ability to begin to see, to sight everlasting kind of life. It should just be an inward sight of life because of the soul has been exercised in the life of Christ, the life of the life of the love of the brethren and all of that. It will just be the discernment of the higher standard. But when it comes to love, right? The saying there is loving your brethren, right? Love one another with a pure heart. So when it's so fervently with a pure heart, a soul who has begun to do that, love one another fervently with a pure heart. By having the ability to do that, there will be season where the soul can then see, see another love higher than loving one another with a pure heart. Not seeing it with imagination. I'm not talking about imagination. I'm saying in terms of see, sight. Sight is equal to unlocking of doors, unlocking of inhibition, restriction. What is restraining one to, to, to stretch to that point of love? There's something that's, that, that inhibits the heart. That is a sight. Sight gives the breakthrough to see. So there is, for, for many of us, who have, if we have not grown too far in Christ, there's a limit to our, our love sight. We can't see that far in love. You know what I mean? But there will be a point where charity will exercise the heart. Then the, the, love, the, the heart will now begin to see another strange, other kind of love. You will now begin to see. Right? That it was, it was right in the Old Testament. He said that he said, he said, there is a love that is as strong as death. Love that is as strong. That was, it's not just every love. We're talking about a particular kind of love. There's love that is as strong. Jealousy that is demanding as the grave. That's not, that's not, not evil jealousy. We're talking about when God says, I am a jealous God. How he is jealous over us. That kind of jealousy. Jealousy. It's about the jealousy of love. Are you getting what I'm saying? Love that is as strong as death. Jealousy demanding as grief. That thing is not easy to see. You can't see that without some kind of foundation in your heart. The soul cringes from such a thing. The soul retreats and, and, and runs away from the suggestion of such a thing. But for a soul where that thing opens up, he can stare it and look at it. He's not afraid and running away. Something is inside of him. He has fought battles. He has conquered things. He, he has become strong in loving. That's what charity is meant to do. Are you get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. We are, I feel like we're entering Benji's question somehow. He, he, praise the Lord. So are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So when it comes to that level, that thing doesn't sit on the air. There has to be, for someone to discern love at that level in their walk, you know what I mean? Not when we are preaching. I'm talking about your walk. When we preaching has ended, then that's where 
They don't, they don't measure our righteousness when they are during preaching level. If heaven come now and want to measure all of us now when we are preaching, they will feel like it's just smoke. We're about to enter, reach, get to the throne. Just the little throne. Praise God. All of us, we are, we are always getting ready to be cut up if they come and measure us when during message, during meeting time. That's not where they, they rule out the line to measure, measure us. It's when meeting has ended, we have gone home, we had other things, when, you, know, you know what I mean? You know, you, know this, you know this season I'm talking about, that, that period. That's the time when they really measure the soul and, the, and at that, that time. In those moments, can a soul see love that is as strong as death? Can a love that's as strong as death be inside, be found in your conversation? In that moment, you are not in meeting, you are not listening to message, you are just living your life. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So that the light that you are using in that time is your light. That's the, your light. So charity is to exercise you in that. It's, it doesn't just happen. There must be something in your heart. Something must be in you before you can begin to even think to love the way God loves. That God's level of love. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So in answer to your question, this soul must be able to divide it. It's what I'm talking about. That one is that one you cannot shift the process. You can't shift it. Christ's love, that's what you call the foundation of God. It's Christ. God will not sit on any other foundation. It's actually not phys- spiritually possible for a soul to have the love of God without the love of Christ. But there are many other things around in the ministry of life that um that heaven controls in terms of how the season in which they bring the soul into them. Someone can just get born again and then they come into a season when the main emphasis is everlasting life. They shouldn't block their ear. You know what I mean? Because when it comes, there are many aspects, the teaching of the scripture, right? Even just being around other people who have journeyed far ahead, there are many things that you can also be, uh-huh, be drinking from them. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Praise God. Did I fully answer the question? Was there an aspect? Can I Oh, why can't you just stay at Christ? Ah, that one. Amen. I know scripturally we know the answer to that. Um, it's like saying, why do we just not just stay at Christ? Praise God. Why do we not just stay at Christ? Uh, because Christ is beautiful, right? He's a godly man. Charity, very lovely something. It means if you, if you get to a point where you faith, oh, sorry, love, you know, love is your patient, kind, wanted not yourself, you hope at all things, believe at all things, you keep no account of wrong. You know, imagine that kind of situation, you know what I mean? You are, you're not in a bad place, man. You are, so why don't you, why don't you just stay there? The answer to that thing, there are different answers. That, that is, that, that, the, that question is the, is all the book of Hebrew. 
book of Revelation, the epistles of John, the book of Jude. All those books, that's the question that they are, that they are written to answer. Right? That, why don't you just stay in that state? Why don't you just stay in that place? It's because there are many, and the answers are many. Many. The first answer is that that's not what you are made for. Like after a while, it become clear. By the time this world is you move this world away, it become clear that man, you have actually, you actually, you haven't arrived at the place where you are supposed to arrive at. Right? There's no soul. When there's when there's still gap between you and God, in the end, you will realize that I'm just a man, and you are made for you are made for the glory of God. The glory of God is the only is the cloth. It's like it's like saying, why are you just why are you not okay? Why are you okay not just being naked around walking around? Why why do you have to wear clothes? Can you answer that? Is it a hard question to answer? <laughs> when you're coming today, why do you say I'm just pretty the way I look? I look nice. I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully. <laughs> and then just shower, just rub lotion, pick up your khaki, and enter your car. And go, why? Why? Are you, am I okay? My, my fingers are complete, my legs are complete, everything is, I'm a nice man. Then you go outside. You won't do that. And so that feeling you will feel when you step outside in that condition, that's, that will be the feeling of a Christ who didn't journey into a God's life. It will be, that was what Paul was talking about. that. We in this body, we do groan, Second Corinthians, right? That we in this habitation, that we might be clothed upon with our habitation, which is from above. That was, that's talking about God's own clothing upon the soul, right? That we being clothed should not be found naked. So any soul that has not yet worn the glory of God, right, will, will feel that raw, that nakedness, the feeling of nakedness, the soul will feel that feeling. You get what I mean? That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, for those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of the son, then those who he, he predestinated, he called, those who he called justified, those who he justified, he glorified. The glorification is the end. Who, by whom and for all things, in bringing sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. They now began to speak there about how he will confess his name before the brethren and all of those. Those brethren are guys who are Christ's, but who, are, who have a great expectation because they haven't been clothed yet. When the first feeling you will feel if a Christ begins to maybe leave this lying world, that there will be a, a strong feeling of nakedness. A Christ, a Christ will not feel emptiness but they will feel nakedness. They are not the same thing. Some souls will feel emptiness and wretchedness, right? Like people who never journeyed in Christ at all. It means that their vessel, they, 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 all they are full of is vanity. There's nothing in them. They are empty. Any soul who never come into an inheritance of Christ is an empty soul. That one, this sorrow, that I, don't, I can't even explain the feeling of that, of such a soul. Because that soul is not just only empty, but also naked. That's, that's wretchedness. That's poverty. 
So a lot of Christians have journeyed to heaven like that. And then we get the crying that will be happening there. Praise God. So, but a Christ, a Christ will not feel empty because it's not vain. It won't feel empty, but it will feel, but that shame, that nakedness, that nakedness is something, it's not, it's not a good thing for a soul to be naked. You get what I'm saying? So, so the soul has to do that journey of being fashioned so that they can, be, so they can receive their covering, which is a hand. The, the real covering of, the, of man is actually God as the actual uh-huh, the actual covering of man. Are, are you seeing that? Uh-huh. Praise God. So, so every soul should not stop at, uh-huh, at Christ. The soul should, should, journey, should journey further. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, um, any other question before we continue? For now. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. So, a soul that a soul that is wretched, that is not Christ. A soul that is not Christ. Yes, sir. So, is wretched and empty. Mm. You know, I've always, I've always thought and wondered when you go. You still carry all your all your wickedness. It's not like it's just disappearing. No, it's not disappearing. It's not disappearing. So in Everything, the world, so that soul is full. It's still so in the world to come. So, uh, but you know, a man just lives based on what is written in his heart. Yeah. So which avenue? I'm just used to think when you okay. go there, would what you would be? be <laughs> is in that, the world to come. How would you live? Because there, it's not like you will come and when, as you're entering, they will remove it or they will give you life to be able. <laughs> is that you? We will still be living, you will not be able to still love now. So would you be doing wickedness there or like it's just a, it's just a thought. Because if you will not if they will not remove everything and as you are, you will feel bad and everything, but you still have no it's not like you just know that all of a sudden are supposed to do charity. That means yeah. you'll still be wicked, you might still be okay. proud some way there. Yes. You know, just, just praise, praise God. Amen. Um for, let just to clarify, um, what I'm describing is shame, emptiness. All those, it's not just when maybe someone dies or goes to heaven. That's not when that that thing will be manifest. On there will be a, there will be season when before this world passes away. What is keeping souls from feeling the, the their emptiness and nakedness is simply because of the covering cast. That, that being, that cherub who is on the air, that loose Satan who, is, is, who has taken the air, that place, that position that he has taken, from where he's, he has defined, he, 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 he has a perfume that is spraying to the atmosphere. And he constant, constantly um, tops it up, make sure that nobody should stop smelling that perfume. That thing that is, that, the feeling that, that makes the world your home, that makes you everything, is just that covering from where he weakened the nations and everything. So as long as he's there, the world is in a constant, that age of deception and all of those things. Uh, so because of that, the, the, he's able to maintain the lie that he has sold, that you know, money can be a covering, that wealth can be a covering, that your social status can be a covering, that your brother, your friends, your contacts, your degree, all, all the things that we have, we, 
souls have put inside themselves and things they have worn upon themselves, and all those things, is able to, is able to push the, is able to, is able to fuel the spirit, the spirit upon those things because of his position. Mm-hmm. But there will be a time when that age will end, when he will fall from that place. He's going to fall from that place. Rapture won't have come. Trumpet, that last trumpet won't have sounded. I mean, there will be a season on the earth we are getting towards that time in the last days where the, where the sons of God will do damage to his position. They will, they will take his position from him. Right, it it won't be like dramatic fight. You've seen war on the air. You see Lucifer, dragon fighting Lucifer. That Revelation chapter twelve. That's not how. Amen. You see news crew, their camera, everything. They will check in, and guys will be keeping score. Bet three six five. <laughs> guys will be betting. No, this guy. Will, that's not how. It's, <laughs> that's not how it's, the fight is going to be. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that. It it will just happen. Why guys are things are going on you to just happen. Do happen as as sons of God are being caught up. Because the is the catching up of sons of God to the throne of God. That's why that's what's gonna do that damage. As sons of God are being caught up. And there is a that there's a mass, a number in the spirit. The devil he knows it. God they know that number. Alright, there's there's a there's a point in the spirit where he will lose legitimacy of the spiritual covering over the nation. Why? Because too many sons have overcome him. Mm. Right? Because when too, too many sons of God, have, they've, they've, they've done rubbish to his life. They've, they've risen into judgment. They've judged him. You know, it's, his judge, it's by judging him that they, he will fall out of that place. Men will rise above him. They will judge him and, and by their ascension above him. It's not men flying. You're just talking about soul. Souls of men. You're talking of men whose thought will rise above vanity, and their, their thought will then rise above, above Satan. They will rise above his, his walk. They will rise above his thought. They will come into the wisdom that can untwist his wickedness. They, they, you get what I'm saying? They will gain so much mastery of righteousness and judgment in them. And then they will now begin to walk on the earth in that manner. Then imagine each of those people. Imagine each of those, those people, because once they get caught up on the throne, the throne they become reigners on the earth. Each, just send one of them can go into a city. And by going into a city, unrighteousness will just stop. They will just, it's just light. They will just be pushing out light of existence. Out of that, they can move in, in their street. Everybody will just stop their, the things they are doing. They will just begin, they will begin to see. Are you get what I'm saying? I, these things are, are, will happen, but you don't, you, don't, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. If Satan can raise people that will culture nations, right? You see one person will just get up with one weird behavior. And it was just poo-poo on their head. They wake up with it, and then 
before you know it, people in Zambia, in Kenya, in the, they are mimicking, they are mimicking what your person is doing. They want to be like them. They want to talk that way. I get what I'm trying to say. If that can happen in the, the side of darkness, you think it can happen in the side of light? It's not going to be as hard as you think. It won't be as hard till men begin to copy righteousness. Because of, you see, so that is, you have men who have the rod of iron. They can beat nations to shivers because of the rod of authority. That scepter of righteousness of the throne is not a small thing. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, if ungodliness and righteousness can be pushed out massively and millions are copying it, praise the Lord. And, even, and then even the and what people copy, even the most vile things, the most vile things that in the past, that, that people will even wonder if they, praise God, one of the most nasty singers now, I, mean, I can't even mention the song, <laughs> one American lady, praise God, very stupid thing, but it's become a culture around the world, people sing about the song, people talk, you know what I'm saying? But we rewind just 20, 30 years ago, they would just capture her, take her to a psychiatric hospital, and say something is, not even Christian, just normal people, just take her, please sister, something is wrong with you, can you please check yourself? Don't come near our kids, don't come near our society, there's something wrong with you, I get what I'm saying? So, so if, you, if you taught two people 20, 40 years ago, that there will be a time on the earth where millions of people in the world will start copying such a fellow, and trying to be like them, they will never believe you. They say it's not possible. The same way we are thinking now that, that righteousness, be, nations being cultured by righteousness, we think is an impossibility. It's not, it's not that impossible. It just I mean, when souls of men will rise above that prince of the air, who, because of that position, he can chart cause for men. The prince, the same spirit that walked in the children of disobedience. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? And so there will be time on the earth where there will be sons of God who will take that thing over from him. So when he does that, when that happens and he loses his place, you will just see man's eyes will just begin to open. Over a short period of time, you will just see men's eyes will just begin to open. Souls who are vain will begin to cry about their vanity. Those who have spent their whole life amassing vanity, they will begin to weep about their vanity. You begin to see, those are the, the kind of operations that you will see. Such things like that will even begin to start even before it gets to that season of overcoming. Yes. You get what I mean? Uh-huh. So, on this earth, there will be seasons where people who are clothed with vanity and who have inherited vanity, that thing will appear, which will appear very, very, very worthless to souls on the earth. Yes. During Jesus' thousand-year reign, vanity will be nothing. The only guys who will, be, who will be, the only people you have on the earth at that time are people who have really entered strong delusion and who have sworn their allegiance to Satan, who will tell Jesus, even with all your righteousness, everything, we still don't want you. Those are different kind of beings who would have journeyed very, very far. Praise the Lord. Aha, amen. So, do you ask a question? 
What was your question? What was it? Just remind me quickly. The question was like, regardless, what you want to bust out to do will still be evil. Okay. Or bad, regardless. Okay. Because it's, uh, okay. It's like Sorry. It's just you were not talking about the world to come, yeah. so I didn't really answer your question yet. So you were talking about the world to come, like okay, souls who did not, um, who are not, they didn't come into the fullness of the inheritance of, like, see, they are not part of the city, they are, they are not part of the bride, they're not even heavenly. Yeah. Right, let's see, they are earthly souls. Right? Uh-huh. So, there are different levels of beings in the world to come. You will have those who are heavenly, of course, everybody who is heavenly will be people who became heavenly in their soul. Right, of course, everybody will be heavenly are those who are, are the people who gained access to the kingdom of God. Or that's why they call the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven. When they say kingdom of heaven, that's not talking about this heaven. Whenever you hear Jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven, it's not this heaven. It's the heaven of the world to come. Right, so the kingdom of heaven is that kingdom Right, because there are people in heaven now of the present who are not in the kingdom of heaven. They are not in the kingdom of God. They never came into the dominion of God, but they are in present heaven. You understand what I mean? And so this present heaven is not of that, that eternal, that dominion. So when you say kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of the world to come, of the heaven of the world to come. So everybody who will be in the heaven of the world to come will be spiritual. They've gained access into the kingdom. It means John the Baptist will not be in the heaven of the world to come. Abraham will not be there. Isaiah, all those prophets. Right? Uh-huh. But, those, but they, they, they are also kingdom beings. But they will be what you call the kings of the earth in the book of Revelation. Uh-huh. The earth of the world to come has its own kingdom. Of the, are you getting what I'm saying? And then there will be kings of that realm. Means those who excelled in dominion, right? Like people like Abraham, all the prophets who became kings on the, on the earth, but they never became heavenly. But they never came in, entered into the kingdom, right? Praise the Lord. Of all men born of a woman, no man has arisen like unto John. But who? The, he the least were. In the kingdom is what? It's greater. It's greater than him. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So, you now say, okay, all those guys who are in the earth, um, so you say, would they have, would they be doing unrighteousness and all of that? <laughs> they won't be doing, they won't be doing that. Um, in there is uh, you need to understand how what makes that new heaven say new heaven and new earth the new heaven and the new earth there is something about that world and the 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 there's a power of the of the elements of the new creation. Yes. There's the power of the element of the new creation. 
Um, the the may in that world you the way you have kings in the earth of the world to come, you also have people who are just who are babies as well, who are babies who who know nothing, who are just complete babies of that world. Like when you have a spiritual, a Christian who is a baby, spiritually, or just a complete baby. So the, the baby of that world they don't have. They don't have the. Um, they don't have the, the. The. There's no opportunity for them to to live out the. Um, the falling nature. Uh-huh, of that Satan invented. It doesn't mean that they are not babies. You get what I mean? It doesn't mean they're not babies, but they don't have the ability to, to live out that foreign nature. Number one, there is no temptation. And that's, one, and that's one of the things. There's no temptation. There's nothing in that world that will be tempting. There is no world, what we call the world, that Satan created. All these demons, these evil spirits who talk to people to make them sin. There, there, so there will be no suggestion of unrighteousness. Or of sin. Do you get what I'm trying? So, even if you say, ah, they will still have nature, but that thing means nothing. It's dead. It is, it is, um, it, it has no power in that world. There is no, they won't even be thinking about that. They won't be thinking about, let me say, should I go and fornicate? Should I go and, it's not going to be a thing in that world. Because there's no temptation, there's no, there's no contrary thought. You get what I mean? No contrary thought, there's no temptation. Nobody's tempting there. There are no evil spirits. The devil is gone. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So that whole thing of the current nature uh-huh, that we have, that nature, when it crosses over to that, that, that place, people who never grow spiritually, that's, that's what, that will be the feeling of emptiness they will have. That everything that they have, the kind of, the wisdom of sin, the wisdom that sin crafted will not be applicable to that world. Do you get what I'm trying to say? In the present now, what's the wisdom of sin? Ah, you know how to cheat to get your way. There, there's nothing to cheat. There's nothing, the world is not framed in that kind of way. They don't have problem for you to solve. They don't have all the things that make men cheat and kill. All of that. Those problems and those things are not existing in that world. You get what I'm saying? So, that light of, they, they would have removed everything Satan invented that has married the present. It's very hard to, to separate those things with, with English because of how well they've married our life, our world, but there will be a world. The Bible called it, wherefore we look for new heaven and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That righteousness is not talking about the people who we inhabit. It's talking about the world itself, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So the environment will not be tempting people. Are you get what I'm saying? The way things were was calling Cain. Come, come and build me. There are cities to be built. Everything. No, it won't be like that. It will be a different kind of world entirely. So 
the babies who will land in that world is just, they'll just be learning. The kings of the earth will be able to help them over time. To be, but it's not going to be like, I don't even know, I can't even talk about all those things. It's just that we can only infer some things, you know. One of the things we can infer is that one of the, the, the way you grow quickly is because of temptation, trials, tribulation. And you, know, you can't really grow like easily without those things, but those things will not exist in that world. So if there's at all, there's going to be growth. It's not going to be like the way you can grow a few years. It can never happen like that. It's going to be, I don't know how, I don't even know how that thing. <laughs> you get what, do you understand what I'm trying to say? So what I'm trying to tell you is that that's not something where you plan. So when I get there, I will grow. Forget it. You will not. <laughs> Praise God. Uh-huh. So don't plan for that time. It's not, um, it's not going to be palatable. It's not, it's not going to be enjoyable to be a baby in the earth of the new, the new earth. Do you get what I mean? Praise God. Amen. We have a very short time. Um, when this question, we only have like 15 minutes. Praise God. So your question, what was your question again? Sorry, Wesley, did I answer your question? Okay. And so it's just difference between just more insights on how brotherhood or how actually how marriage is higher than brotherhood. Okay, sorry. How, um, yes. I was giving an example as to like so in terms of attitude now mm-hmm. so bearing people for instance now so for brotherhood there are so many people around that you know you can like grow mm-hmm. really from so I was not saying that so marriage is only one mm-hmm. like just get married to one person and then <clears throat> is it that in one person There'll be multitude of, like, so many things. <laughs> like, is it that we are going to, like, grow from one person? Is it that one person will carry so much, yeah. you know? But okay. I'm not really, like, okay. I don't really understand how marriage is actually very, oh, okay. in that. Praise God. Just, Amen. Uh-huh. So, that's p- part of why I asked, there was a question I asked earlier before about brotherhood, what will happen. It's tied into that. There's, a, there's, an, there's an understanding, there's a light about that thing that um, is important for us to have. Praise God. Um, in Christ, when the Bible speaks about the... Um, it's a thing you have purified your soul, right? And obeying the truth unto unfeigned, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love, 
of the brethren, First Peter chapter 1, right? See that you love one another fervently with a pure heart, praise God, unfeigned love of the brethren. So that thing called the love of the brethren, or what we call charity, yeah. Um, the standard of the love is not um, or the, we call it the, the standard or the demand of the love. The demand of the love is Praise God. Let's think, up, think about the, the tone of the Ten Commandments. Let's see. Let's see the five that has to do with brotherhood or neighbor. What did you say about neighbor? The Ten Commandments. Don't take your neighbor's wife, that's one. Do not covet your neighbor's property. What else? I think don't kill them. Is someone? someone <laughs> don't be a fault witness. Uh-huh. And then what? Don't kill. Don't steal from them. Don't kill them. Don't be a fault witness. Their house, their property, yeah, their servants, any of those things. So there is nothing, when they're talking about neighbor, those commandments about your neighbor, which, because brotherhood did not really exist in, in those times, but, but you can look, can look at the attitude of those kind of, those commandments. The, the weight of the commandment has nothing to do with the state of your neighbor or your brother. Whether they are good people, whether they are, whether they are hidden, whether they like God, whether they don't like God, whether they offend easily, whether they steal from you. It, was, it wasn't telling you, it wasn't about how do you react when your neighbor takes your wife or how do you react when your neighbor tries to kill you. Or when your neighbor tries to steal you. Or when you have a neighbor that steals very well, how do you try to handle them? That's not the talking about. It has nothing to do with, it's not about them. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? It's not, so when you talk of charity, what makes the, elevate the standard of charity is not that, it's not just, it's not really about the, or your other brethren. It is the law itself. It is the standard itself that is high. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. The standard itself is what is, is, is what is high. So when you think of the covenant of brotherhood, the covenant of marriage, don't think about it in terms of 
whether the other one is your brother, the other one is your wife, or no. You're talking about when you just look at the standard themselves, that there's diff, there's height of there's difference in the the weight of the commandment. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yes. So that when they say brethren, right, that word brethren, brotherhood, is talking about the brotherhood is a what makes brotherhood spiritually is not that we are born again. Say, ah, this is my brother, this is my sister. Yeah, in a sense, that's your brother and your sister. In the sense of that you are your spirit are both, you are all children of God in your spirit. Right? In other words, you are all Christ in your spirit. That makes you a brother to somebody. But what we have been looking at brotherhood, what, the, way, the way Hebrew speaks about it, and then John speaks about it, book of, of the epistles of John and all of that, that brotherhood, amen, is what makes brotherhood is a specific set of commandments. It's not your physical brethren that is the brotherhood in Christ. Are you seeing that? It's just that there's a level of commandment that when you begin to keep, they call you a brethren in the spirit. In reality, brother of who are you? You are the brother of Christ. Do you see that? Aha. So, so, the, you are the brother of Christ. Are you seeing that? Right? That is the brother of Christ. So, the only way that kind of brotherhood is enacted in a somewhat physical sense is if, if that nature of Christ is found in some other believer. You get what I'm saying? Then, when that nature of Christ is found in some other believer you see, you come, you come into a sense, you can, there cannot be an extension of that sense of community of brotherhood. In the church, right, praise the Lord, because of virtue of people who are grown to keep that same commandment. Yes, we have come to keep that same word, that same commandment. Does that make sense to you? So it, it doesn't have something to do with, ah, we are many brethren. It's talking about with the commandment that is being what kept. Yes, yes. Yeah. The reason why we have problem is because we are seeing it the other way. We are just seeing that, ah, bearing people, we have to bear all these people. We are not seeing it as, it's just something that, just, that God talk, is talking to you concerning. It's standard that you need to, keep. 
on the inside. It's just a standard of, of God. It's a standard in the spirit. It's the, it's the fulfillment of that, that law, a specific set of law, what they call the law of Christ, which is a standard of behavior. Did that make some sense to you? So it means that so your very same brethren, housemates who you live with, who you go to the same fellowship with, in your relationship with them, there will be a time when you are just relating with them. There will be a time when you begin to relate with them but keeping the covenant of brotherhood as you are relating with them. Right? Then there will be a time that you have, you, you have grown into a higher covenant, which is the covenant of everlasting life. And then towards that same brethren, brother, you can walk with them with the standard of that covenant of everlasting life. Uh, so, so, when we're not talking about brotherhood, um, in fact, when we, are, when we are speaking metaphorically about brotherhood, the metaphor that we use is more of the family metaphor, not the brotherhood of we are all born again. The, you get what I mean? That's not really... The, the brotherhood. The, the metaphor is more of like family. So that's why we look at... So if you are, if you are saying, ah, loving all your brethren is charity, and then now you now get married, that's the worst. Like, you're mixing two different things together. Wow. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 the one of who is not married or who doesn't have wife or husband, you mean they cannot... <laughs> There's no hope for them. There's nobody to do everlasting works with. So they're in trouble. No, you're mixing two different things together. You, you understand what I mean? Uh-huh. So this brotherhood of we are just born again, we are in fellowship together. Let's leave that aside first. That's not, let's, that's not what we're talking about. Right? What we're talking about is those two levels of, two standards of life. First, that amounts to you being a brother of Christ. Are you seeing that? Then after a while, you now rise up, right? And then you, if you move into a season where you are learning how to become completely one with, with the Lamb, of God. Those are two levels of commandment. Uh-huh. Yes. 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 Now, if you want to now speak metaphorically in terms of what we can see in the natural, that's when you can now speak about the, a metaphor for the for the for, the, for charity, which is love of Christ, or brotherhood in the spirit, you can say it's physical brotherhood. The way a metaphor for everlasting life is physical marriage. 
you get this, you get the difference. Uh-huh. Yes. Sorry. In physical marriage, someone can actually still be in the school of brotherhood. Yes, in physical marriage. You could be an unbeliever and be married physically. Okay. You could be a Muslim. You could be a Hindu. You could be born again, baby Christian. You could be a Christian who has who is spiritual. You could also be everlasting in your nature and be married. It's just that if you are trying to now handle marriage with any of those lesser things, it will be difficult. Right? It will be difficult because the idea of marriage, physical idea of marriage, first of all, marriage really, to be honest with you, is not really a physical something. Right? In terms of what you're trying to fulfill, the way God designed marriage to be. It's not purely just a physical something. You, you can just do it physically alone and say, we're just signing a paper. Today I hereby marry thee and give you a ring and all that. You've just done a physical something. The same way you can just give birth to a child physically and say, well, just biology. You get, the child has your genes and all that. But when it comes to parenting, for example, it's a, it's a spiritual transaction that God designed, God designed. When you go and check Genesis, you see that actually parenting is supposed to be a spiritual transaction. That the reason why you should have a child is for the heritage of God. And the reason for the home is so that things, that spiritual things can be happening in the home. You, you get what I mean? So train up a child in the way he should go. Who are they talking to? Parents. So that when he's old, he will not depart from it. It means that there's a way he should go. And every parent who has a child has a responsibility from God. Train them in the way they should go. But a parent can choose to, well, I don't care. Rather, I will train them the way the world says they should go. The same way someone who gets married to a woman can, instead of trying to figure out what is the program of marriage by God, can just do what he likes with her, you know, well, Let's become a power couple. You achieve this, I achieve that. All of those things that different abuse of marriage. You know what I mean. And so, but you not. But what you will find is that whenever the way God's design is not used, it will disintegrate. Father and child relationship would can disintegrate. Parent and child relationship because there is something inside the child rebelling against you. That there's just something about you that's not giving me what I want. And check and just get angry at you for no reason. He doesn't know why, but he just knows that you didn't train him up in the way he should go. <laughs> are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise God. So, but, so those are physical things, but that have a significance uh, spiritually. Yeah, the same way when, when Adam had spiritual dominion, but based on that, he could handle the physical earth. He could, the earth was physically subject to him. Like Jesus, his dominion was spiritual, but matter was responding to him. When his feet was landing upon water, water was solidifying under him. Because he was, he said, this, we, don't, we, don't, we don't kill this kind of man. We cannot 
drown this kind of man. This man of man cannot sink. All the molecules of water were talking to each other. This is the Lord. This feet is not like Fipita or the other guys. This is a different kind of guy. You get what I'm saying? Just things. Think, bread, when it was time for people to feed, bread molecule knew they need to multiply when it was time. Those, those are Adamic kind of things. It means that the spiritual. Daddy Hagen said that when the spiritual comes in contact with the natural, one has to give way for the other. All right. Just simple demonstration of someone falling under the anointing. He was talking about that. So when the spiritual lands on the natural, one of them has to give way. Which one is higher? The spiritual will give way. Praise God. Uh, so that was, that's the law. So, so when somebody is obeying spiritual, the spiritual law, the same way it was something spiritual that happened to man that resulted in man being able to die physically because of spiritual death. You, you, you understand what I mean? Uh-huh. Praise God. So when it comes to marriage, um, marriage itself, anybody can get married, but when it comes to actually how God designed marriage to be, the laws to keep that kind of thing, right, are actually beginning laws. Yes. They're actually beginning laws. The same way to keep brotherhood well. You need Christ's law. Anywhere there's no Christ's law, people try to act brotherhood, it will not work. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So when it comes to now, maybe us as brethren, you now find out that to be able to perfect brotherhood in the church, the minimum is Christ. If there's no charity, anything brotherhood will try to do will be spoiling, things will be happening that are not, <laughs> it won't be working well because of the spiritual law that should govern such a, an inter, such a dealing is not present. But even though, let's say, people, of, God has helped us, we've journeyed into Christ's nature, and we, are, and we have, there's no longer spot in our feast of charity, that that feast is perfect, there can still be a higher commandment that can be brought into that conversation as well, which is the, the aspect of following the Lamb with whatsoever is going, which is the school of everlasting life. Praise God. Amen. Um, did I answer your question? Uh, okay. I didn't speak too much about maybe difference in the commandment of those, but maybe some other time we can talk about um, yes, we can talk about those commandments. Praise God. So, so someone who is married is not really about, um, it's not really about bearing somebody or anything. Um, they say, ah, maybe wives are so difficult, so they are impossible. That's what makes marriage <laughs> an impossibility. It's not that. It's not that. Um, if they replace maybe the, your wife or your husband with the Lamb of God, Lord Jesus. Let's say Jesus is the one now. Let's say our sisters, let's say the, God say, okay, 
let's leave your, let your husband take a break. Then they will bring Jesus himself who will now come and be living with you at home and, and all that. You get to understand, you, you might feel like because of that, ah, even it will just be easy. You not realize that it's not, your problem is not, I'm not being your husband the whole time. Do you get what I'm saying? To be so clear, so clear, so clear to you that that your husband is not really the problem, has not been your problem at all. And that's one wisdom that wives actually need to have. Husbands too. But I, I, what I feel like there is, when it comes to marriage, because the woman is a weaker vessel. So most times, the devil will pass, that's where he will pass through. Because he knows. And God made it that way, the woman is the weaker vessel. So he doesn't come from the other. A lot of times, that's why you see the assault against marriage in our world is through the attack on the, on the wife. Feminism. What's all those, why is it feminism? Why is it not? Masculinism. <laughs> or why is not masculinism try to, to to convince men to be like women? It's hard to do that. It's harder to convince a man to act like a woman than it is to make a woman try to act like a man and, and all of that. It's harder to make a husband hate his wife than it is to make a wife hate her husband. It's easier for a wife to hate her husband than for a husband to hate the wife. It's easier for a wife to resent her husband than for a husband to resent his wife because of weakness. It's easier for a wife to find fault in her husband than for the husband to find fault in his wife. In his wife. Do you understand what I mean? It's just it's the spirits. They know where they pull their attention in. They know it's just spirits at work. When, and when they, when they come around a woman, Kai, only God can help a woman when they come around her. Praise God. So that's just speaking about marriage uh-huh, in the physical, but it's a metaphor for uh-huh, marriage also in the... And the spiritual praise. Maybe another time we'll talk more about some of these things. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God will help us. Father, we thank you. We bless your name, Marahata. Let's just pray for one minute. Oh, <laughs> 
prastiske prevenoske. Repanonoske prevenoske prevenoho. Ripaheno vekreento. Oh, ripahahahamaha. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for just our discussion today. Holy Spirit, I pray you will come and bring the perfect answers and response to all our questions and everything that is not clear. Come and shed more of your light upon them in our heart. Thank you for helping us today just to have a discussion around your table concerning your doctrine, concerning your word. We bless your name. We ask you that every seed of thought, conviction, understanding, resolve, anything that has been dropped into any heart by virtue of this conversation, Holy Spirit, make it find root and make it germinate and grow and become fruitful that nothing will be lost. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. Bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.